Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to this event on why Labour should join calls for a ceasefire now, uh, an important event at this horrendous time for the people in Gaza, where a humanitarian catastrophe is unfolding right before our eyes and calls for an immediate ceasefire are growing internationally and here in Britain. Quickly to introduce myself, my name is Jess Barnard. I'm an elected Labour NEC member. I'm a trade unionist and uh, long-term solidarity activist. And I was uh, visiting Palestine on a delegation last year with a group of young trade unionists. Um, this meeting is coming at a vital time for all of us who are interested in campaigning for peace and for Palestinian rights with the UK government and sadly the the leadership of the Labour opposition failing to join the growing chorus of voices internationally who are calling for a ceasefire from the UN to Oxfam, uh, from the ITUC to the Pope. All current signs are that aggressions and abuses against the people of Gaza are intensifying, leading to the deaths of thousands of people, including thousands of children. And in this difficult context, it is positive to see so much support for the call for a ceasefire in the Labour Party, in the Labour movement and beyond, um, including through the councillors, uh, mayors, MPs, trade unions and everyone else who has spoken out uh, and many who have attended demonstrations calling for a ceasefire despite attempts by Labour's leadership to deter them. Quickly to introduce uh, Labour and Palestine who are hosting today's event. It is a platform launched at Labour Conference 2018 and supported by uh, ASLEF, uh, CWU, NUM, TSSA, Unison, uh, Unite the Union and many more uh, on its initiatives, including its petition calling on the Labour leadership to back ceasefire calls. Um, and those will be posted in the chat for you to sign today. Also, just a quick thanks to the Arise Festival volunteers for hosting and streaming. And please, please consider donating to their cost to cover these calls if you can. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce the first of our speakers. Um, and I'm very pleased to introduce Richard Bergen, MP, who has secured the support of over 100 MPs in the House of Commons for an early day motion backing the ceasefire call. Thank you, Richard. Thanks very much, Jess. And thanks to the organisers of tonight's meeting and thanks to everyone for uh, attending at this uh, crucial time. And I'm here tonight with uh, one clear message for our government. Help stop the bombs. Help save lives. Help end the suffering. Work for a ceasefire and do it now. There's not a second to waste. Lives depend on it. It's been just over a month since Hamas's heinous terror attacks. And in that time, Nearly 12,000 people in Gaza and in Israel have been killed. We mourn the death of every single Palestinian and every single Israeli. Each was an individual. Each had a name. Each had dreams. So the question that I put to our political leaders here and around the world is this. How many more lives have to be lost? How many more children have to grow up having never known their parents? How many more parents have to bury their children, because it is children that are paying price in this war. Gaza has become a graveyard for 
children, with a child being killed there every 10 minutes. And approaching half of those killed in Gaza have been children. One million children there are in need of safe shelter, food, water and medicine right now. This week, children actually gave a press conference outside a hospital in Gaza, imploring the world to take action. And those children said, and I quote, we want to live. We want peace. We want judgment for the killers of children. We want shelter, food and education. And we want to live as the other children live. When I saw the children saying that, I was reminded of the words of the UN General Secretary, who has repeatedly emphasised that the heinous attacks by Hamas do not justify responding with collective punishment of the Palestinian people. But that's exactly what we're seeing. The Israeli Air Force dropped 6,000 bombs on Gaza in the first week alone. 6,000 bombs on an area that's not much larger than East London, where 2 million people are crammed in. Entire neighbourhoods turned to rubble. And the UN warned the other day of Israel's continued bombardment hitting civilians, hospitals, refugee camps, mosques, churches and UN facilities, including shelters, no one is safe. So the priority, I would say, for every single political leader, including our own and all across the political spectrum, must be to do everything in their power to stop the loss of any more civilian lives. And that means backing a ceasefire, a ceasefire that's binding on all parties. Because the UN General Secretary says we need a ceasefire. The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights says we need a ceasefire. So too does the head of the UN's Office for Humanitarian Affairs, the head of the UN Children's Fund, the head of UN Women, of the UN Food Programme, of the UN's World Health Organization. In fact, the heads of all major United Nations agencies are calling for humanitarian ceasefire. So why does our government think it knows better than the world's leading humanitarian agencies? It's shameful that our government refuses to support a ceasefire, especially when polls show that two-thirds of the British public want one. And it's ludicrous that the government tries to claim in the Chamber of the House of Commons and elsewhere that somehow this isn't a serious proposal, given who is calling for it. So why a ceasefire? A ceasefire, one that's binding on all parties, would save thousands of civilian lives. It would help with ensuring the safe release of the Israeli hostages. It would allow in the scale of life-saving aid, water and medical supplies needed in Gaza to address the nightmare there, because the aid needed can't flow while the bombs drop. And we do have to ask ourselves, what is the alternative? We can't allow thousands more deaths. We can't allow ever more human suffering. We can't allow more war crimes to be carried out. We can't allow the risk of a wider regional war. So we need to win a ceasefire. A ceasefire means all sides must stop firing. And that requires negotiation. So our government should be straining every sinew. It should be using every diplomatic avenue possible. 
It should be talking to governments of all persuasions. It should be talking with those governments with sway with Israel and those governments like Qatar with channels to Hamas to secure a negotiated ceasefire, one that's binding on all parties to bring an end to this crisis. Now, of course, securing a ceasefire won't be easy, but it won't happen if governments don't even bother to try. And instead of using our country's vast network of diplomats to pursue a ceasefire, our government is not even bothering. It has acted far too passively in the face of Israel's obvious breaches of humanitarian law, including the collective punishment and forced displacement of so many Palestinians. That will only be interpreted as a green light to Israel to carry on regardless. So it falls to every one of us to get our government to do the right thing. And that's why it's right that people march for a ceasefire. They're marches for humanity, not hate marches. And that's why yesterday I launched a new parliamentary motion for a ceasefire already backed by nearly 100 MPs. And that's why, given the government's refusal to join the international call for a ceasefire, our party should reflect public opinion and now lead the push for a ceasefire. These are dark times for humanity. But I told the recent national demonstration, Martin Luther King once said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. So to our political leaders, I say, be that light. Make a stand for life. Work to secure that ceasefire and then work to build on that, to secure a just and lasting peace. So that instead of more bloodshed, more suffering and occupation, this becomes the moment, as difficult as that now seems, when we secure, alongside Israel, the viable Palestinian state that's so needed for the cause of justice. Thank you. Thank you very much, Richard. I think we can all agree hearing from the Palestinian children themselves was a heartbreaking watch and shows just how urgently the international community needs to take action to ensure a ceasefire now. So thank you for your work uh, trying to achieve that in Parliament. Um, our next speaker is a member of the House of Lords and a supporter of uh, Labour and Palestine. Uh, so I'm pleased to introduce Christine Blower. Jess, thank you. Uh... Thank you very much. And that was a uh, it was a brilliant opening to this meeting from Richard, calm and measured, but absolutely on point about what has to happen uh, now. And there will be brilliant speakers coming up who will cover much of what's going on and possibly Palestine's history and repeat the appalling situation in which men and women and children find themselves uh, in now. I, I just want to add to what Richard said about the children. I saw on the news a child who'd been uh, who'd been injured in a in one of the many 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 bombings, who was just crying out, "We didn't do anything wrong," and indeed they didn't. These are absolutely the innocent victims of this uh, of this terror campaign, um, the bombing which is really completely uh, illegal. So. Let's just think. I I just have one message for my um for my um this evening from my remarks, and that is if you can, if you possibly can, 
join the march and demonstration this Saturday. And if you have access to one, take a Palestinian flag. You know, we all know just how awful is Suella Braverman. The BBC hasn't found a single colleague of hers who believes that these demonstrations, calling as they do for ceasefires and therefore an end to bloodshed and an end to ever increasing death tolls, not one of them has been found to agree that they are hate marches because they simply are not hate marches. They are calling for a ceasefire and calling uh, for peace and for a resolution. And why take the Palestinian flag? Well, take the flag because it is the flag of the state of Palestine uh, since 1988. Uh, and it will not be criminalized by Suella Braverman. We cannot allow that to, to happen. The flag designed in the 60s has meaning. The red stands for the sacrifices made by the Palestinian people. The black for the oppression and persecution suffered by Palestinians for decades. The white stands for peace and love, and the green stands for hope. This is the flag of the Palestinian people. It is certainly not the flag of Hamas, as Ambassador Zumlot told us recently uh, in Parliament. So we call for a ceasefire, comrades, because we have urgently to see an end to what is clearly collective punishment. They are, they are suffering terror they are just terribly afraid, the children and women uh, of, Palest of Palestine. And we have to therefore call an end for that. And we call for it on the streets to send a message to the British government and to all the leaders, including absolutely the leader of the Labour Party and all of those who have not yet heard the cry of between two thirds and maybe 70% of the British people who favour a ceasefire, as do so many internationally and we march and we demonstrate so that Palestinians know that they're not alone. We do what we can and what we can do is to march on Saturday, Palestinian flag in hand and call with all our might for a ceasefire now. Solidarity. Absolutely, Christine. Thank you so much for your contribution. I'm sure everyone on the call today will be joining us on Saturday uh, to march in solidarity with the Palestinians. Um, we're now going to have a quick few uh, action points from Ben Foley from Labour and Palestine. Thanks for that, Jess. And hi, everyone. I'm Ben Foley. I'm from Labour and Palestine. I want to plug a few actions just to, to everyone on the call this evening. Um, just to, to ensure we're all, we're all taking action, all making much uh, as much impact as we can. Firstly, um, we've we've heard recently over the last few weeks how many MPs and how many councillors from the Labour Party have declared their support for a ceasefire. Uh, Labour and Palestine has launched a petition for CLP members, local Labour members, to collectively declare their support for a ceasefire, uh, and we want to do that and make that as large as possible. So we're all declaring that together, and we've got almost ten thousand signatures covering. Uh, members from uh, around 500 constituency Labour parties already. So please add your name. That link will be appearing in the in the chat. Secondly, uh, as you've already heard um, from both from Richard and from Jess and from Christine, and I'm sure you'll hear again, join the demonstration this Saturday. It's going to be uh, it's going to go ahead. Uh, we've heard today uh, it's, uh, it's going to be historic. Uh, and on the day the guns fell silent historically in 1918, we will be calling for the guns today to fall silent as well. So the Palestine Solidarity Campaign have published the route 
you could join it on Park Lane uh, by Hyde Park and then march to the US Embassy in Nine Elms. Uh, so make sure you're on that. And third, it's been mentioned, but please do consider making a donation uh, at the link provided for the streaming costs of tonight's event because it's run by volunteers. Um, so please do, uh, when that pops up, please, if you can, uh, and not everyone can, I know, in these times, um, make a donation. Uh, but thanks for being here. Make sure you're on our mailing list. Uh, we've got lots of actions going out, lots of updates going out, uh, and keep organising and speaking up. And that's all I've got. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much, Ben. And as you said, taking action is so important, even if you can't be there in person on Saturday taking actions like signing petitions, sharing those petitions and actions with your family, friends, colleagues, neighbours, amplifying the voices and the stories of Palestinians is so important. So please do what you can to keep the pressure up and calling for a ceasefire. Uh, our next speaker is Beth Winter MP, who's a long-term campaigner for Palestinian rights. Over to you, Beth. Oh, Jess, and thank you, Labour and Palestine, for organising this important event this evening, which is one of countless ceasefire rallies that are happening across the country, demonstrating the mainstream public opinion, which is in line with the sentiments of the United Nations and humanitarian agencies across the world, and that is calling for a ceasefire now. Our discussion tonight is why Labour must join the calls for a ceasefire in Gaza. As it should have done from the beginning, every day the ceasefire does not happen means hundreds more boys and girls being killed, injured and traumatised. Now, given that the UK Tory government is not using the weight of its authority to call for a ceasefire, is the opposition's task to apply the pressure on it to do so? And it is regrettable that we are ourselves in the position of debating our Labour Party position on this humanitarian catastrophe. As others have already said, we have witnessed horrific and unimaginable pain, death and destruction of people and entire communities over the last months, uh, both in Israel and Palestine. Thousands of innocent lives have been needlessly lost. We have a duty to speak out, condemn what is happening and call for an immediate ceasefire. The scale and suffering is such that this week we saw an unprecedented letter by the principals of 18 United Nations agencies, including the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, United Nations Children's Emergency Fund and the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, alongside key humanitarian agencies, all calling for an immediate ceasefire. We've seen the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights state, and I quote, we have serious concerns that these are disproportionate attacks that we could amount to war crimes. And we've also seen the UN Special Rapporteurs grouping together to warn, and I quote, they remain convinced that the Palestinian people are at grave risk of genocide. Whether one agrees with such a statement, the fact that such a highly regarded individual can make such a warning reflects the gravity of the situation. So it is, therefore, extremely regrettable that the Labour leadership continues only to advocate for humanitarian causes. We should be clear what the logic of that position means. It suggests a pause in military action by Israel the supply of food or water, perhaps medical aid, then at some point 
resumption of that military action. This amounts to alleviating suffering. Then the resumption of suffering, the leadership stance comes from a position of such isolation. Human rights organisations back a ceasefire. Opinion polling shows that a majority of the public backs it. Labour councillors back a ceasefire. Labour Muslim Network sources campaign group of councillors and Welsh councillors. And senior Labour figures outside Parliament, such as Sadi Khan, Andy Burnham and Anas Sawa. All lives have equal value, wherever they live. More death and destruction is not the answer. Military action is not the solution. We need a lasting political solution. Hope and peace cannot be built on revenge. As an MP alongside others, I have written to the Prime Minister urging him to work with partners across the region for an immediate ceasefire, for the release of hostages for the urgent delivery of adequate humanitarian aid, for the compliance with international humanitarian law, and for a renewed commitment to peaceful political process to resolve the long-standing conflict between Israel and Palestine. And we who are working in Parliament to build support for a ceasefire have retabled under um, the leadership of Richard Burden MP EDM1 and with almost 100 MPs having now signed. We've also signed an amendment to the King's Speech Table by Zara Sultana, also backing a ceasefire. And we are looking at avenues to secure a vote in Parliament, at which time public opinion can weigh on their political representatives. And I want to finish by saying that your views, the mainstream public opinion, um, is extremely powerful and important and is having um, an impact. And it will be expressed again in the historic demonstration that will take part through London from Hyde Park to the US Embassy this weekend. I intend to join you on the demonstration and I'm pleased to say the pressure is also mounting here in Wales, uh, my country of Cymru, with lots of rallies taking place here as well. Your pressure is bringing about change. Almost 20 Labour front branches have expressed support for a ceasefire. My colleague Imran Hussain um, last night made a principal stand and resigned his position on the front bench. Pressure has an impact. Um, we wish it was faster, but we've got to keep building. And to conclude, to echo what millions are saying, what is happening is a stain on our collective humanity and it must stop. And that is why, as a mother, sister, daughter, wife, friend, politician, I'm here today calling for unity, for peace, for justice, unity against hatred, against Islamophobia, anti-Semitism. And I truly believe that together we can stand to win the case for an immediate ceasefire and for a just and lasting peace. Thank you so much, Beth. And I think your words of, of hope and peace cannot be built on revenge, a very, very powerful message at this time. And Beth is absolutely right that this is a mainstream public opinion and support for a ceasefire. 76% of the public polled support calls for a ceasefire. So we have to keep the pressure up. 
Our next speaker is Nabila Molana, who is the chair of Young Labour and also a Sheffield councillor who signed the letter uh, from councillors around the country calling on Labour to join calls for a ceasefire. Over to you, Nabila. Thank you, Jess. I mean, as we've heard from other speakers, the images coming out of Gaza are nothing short of horrific. And in moments like this, you know, we can't hesitate to call it what it is. This is a genocide. And we know this is not just of Israel's making. Behind every bullet, shell and bulldozer stands the political, economic and military support of our world leaders, paid for by the United States and made in the United Kingdom. I found the current Labour leadership stance and the comments they've made in public appearances, to be honest, nothing short of shameful. And yet, as Labour members, a number of MPs, councillors and others in the Labour movement have made clear that we will continue to stand in solidarity with the people of Gaza. And as just mentioned, I'm a councillor in Sheffield. And last week, Labour councillors here didn't stick to the party line, uh, but instead voted to call for a ceasefire, joining all the other parties in the council. And as the death toll exceeds 10,000, we have heard lots of people talking about peace. Peace is good. We all want peace. And as socialists who stand for peace, we must be clear that when we say peace, we mean a true lasting peace rooted in justice and liberation. Yes, the route to peace is a desperately needed ceasefire, but the route to peace must also mean an end to apartheid and an end to ethnic cleansing. The route to peace must mean lifting the blockade on Gaza. It must mean an end to the occupation and the continuous murders of the West Bank. The route to peace is through generations of displaced Palestinians having their right to return to their home. And the route to peace is by actively building for peace, not by condoning this massacre in convoluted statements. It is our duty as Labour members, as socialists and trade unionists, to do everything we can do to push our MPs and this government to recognise the inviolable rights of the Palestinian people to live in freedom and security. We know all too well that as we moan the dead, we must fight like hell for the living. And I know that watching all that is unfolding on our phones as we live thousands of miles away, it's so easy to feel despondent. But we must remember that no matter how impossible it is made to seem, the truth is that every regime can fall and every period in history comes to an end. The people of Palestine will be free. But whilst these atrocities are going on, Palestinians have made it clear that they don't want our sympathy, they want our solidarity. And we know that solidarity is a verb. So protest, agitate, demand a ceasefire, write to your MPs, write to your councillors. And please, if you're able to, join the demonstrations taking place this Saturday. Don't let those trying to justify the murder of a people be the loudest voices in any room. There is so much more I could say, but for now, I hope that we all do everything in our power to fight for a world where Palestinian men, women and children live to hear the sounds of birds and the sound of bombs. Thank you so much, Nabila, for your powerful words. And as you said, it's it's our duty in the Labour Party to stand up for what's right. And I'm sure we all know of so many people who have hoped to keep their head down and, and not who don't want to be seen to speak against the Labour leadership. But in politics, we have to choose between what's right and what's easy. And 
this is a moment where we absolutely need to stand on the right side of history and make sure that the Labour leader changes his position and calls for a ceasefire. Our next speaker is uh, a colleague of mine on Labour's National Executive Committee, Mish Rahman, who is also on the NCG of Momentum. Uh, Mish, over to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jess, and thank you to Arise and Labour in Palestine for hosting us. Uh, it's been a great event, great speakers. But one question on everybody's mind, how many of us have seen something in our social media feeds over the last month that we are never going to forget? Images of innocent people dying while Sunak and Biden refuse to act and Keir Starmer continues to back them. This has to change. We will not forgive them and history will not forgive them. We will continue and have to continue to hold them accountable because so far they have taken the easiest option of all, which is to do nothing. And that's what they're doing, nothing. And their silence and refusal to do anything is their complicity. And I find their complicity and hypocrisy breathtaking and there for everyone to see. Here, Starman and his shadow cabinet know what a war crime is when it's committed against Ukraine by Russia, and rightly so. But when asked about Israeli war crimes, Starmer and his shadow cabinet members, not content with previously seemingly being fine with collective punishment, a siege, the cutting of power, water, food, now say it's not for politicians to provide a commentary and that they aren't specialists in what denotes a war crime and what doesn't. In my opinion, that's a dereliction of duty and morality. But I ain't no specialist either. But I know enough to see that what we are witnessing in real time, live, is a genocide. More people were killed in the last month in Gaza than were recorded killed in the 1995 Srebrenica genocide or the January 1999 massacre in Sierra Leone. And I ain't no specialist either. But I know what we are seeing is ethnic cleansing and the displacement of millions. And we see the settler violence on the West Bank on an industrial scale, moving Palestinians out of their homes. And I ain't no specialist, but I know what we are seeing are war crimes, unfortunately supported by the US and Britain and uncritical by the Labour leadership. And we've seen the use of white phosphorus and the bombing of places of worship and hospitals, as well as the death of over 4,000 children, according to Save the Children, using US arms. And I ain't no specialist. I also know this, that while Palestine is abandoned by governments and mainstream me media and the discourse, Palestinians can rely on us, the general public across the world, our kindness and the kindness of strangers. The fight for justice has been left to individuals to champion, and we are growing in number. It's now been over a month since the awful Hamas terrorist attack, killing 1,400 Israelis. But since then, over 10,000 people, including 4,000 children, have been killed by Israel. How many more innocents need to die? It's also heartwarming to see the solidarity from workers abroad, such as the three biggest unions in Belgium refusing to move arms, and top workers in Barcelona who refuse to load or unload ships carrying war materials for Israel. It's a lesson that trade unions in the UK can take, where workers can also refuse to be complicit and stop making those weapons that kill and maim innocent children. So right now, our demand is simple, and it's for the sake of humanity. We need an end to the killing of all innocent civilians. Every second we delay to call a ceasefire, 
more innocent lives are lost. And if Suella Braverman and Rishi Sunak want us to stop marching, all they have to do is call for a ceasefire and an end to the violence. We don't want a humanitarian pause. That just fills the bellies of people and that's so that they can be bombed then on a full stomach instead of a complete ceasefire. What Labour and Keir Starmer need to do is stop following Sunak and Braverman and instead align with the will of the majority of the British people and Labour members, that's 76% of whom, in fact, demand a ceasefire now. So stop the killing of innocent people now, call for an immediate ceasefire, and rest assured, until we get a ceasefire, until we get an armistice, until we get peace, we will continue to march, and our marches will get bigger and bigger, and their authority will become smaller and smaller. So my final message to my party leader is this, Get up, go home. I oppose what you're saying. It's not the way to deal with this crisis. And that's why we want a ceasefire and a longer lasting road to peace for all. Thank you. Absolutely, Mish. Thank you so much for joining us. And I know many, many people on this call will be out every single week as well until we get a ceasefire. Um, our next guest is the newly elected General Secretary of the TSSA. Very pleased to introduce Mariam Eslamdous. Thank you so much, Jess. Comrades, uh, I'm Mariam. I'm, uh, I'm the only Middle Eastern General Secretary and I'm calling for a ceasefire. The first years of my life in Iran were blighted by bombs and fear of invasion imposed by the Iran-Iraq war. No child should have to grow up with these fears not Palestinians, not Israelis, not Iranians, not Iraqis. And I can tell you from my own experience that the scars it creates still burn deeply years later. It's now clearer than ever that Palestinians will never be safe until they have their own sovereign state. And my trade union and many of our sister unions are clear, we will not be silent while Palestinian civilians are in the firing line. We will not be silent when Gazans are starved of food and water. And more than that, we will not be silent while Palestinian land remains under legal occupation. Which brings me to the Labour Party. The careless, cynical, immoral stance that has been adopted is shocking. The Labour Party is supposed to stand on the side of the oppressed. Instead, we have seen dishonest accounts of international law, dishonesty about that dishonesty, and MPs being suspended or forced to resign shadow, shadow ministerial posts simply for supporting the cause of peace. It's not good enough and it makes me dread about their agenda in government. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mariam, and thank you for, for joining us tonight. Um, unfortunately, our final speaker of the evening was due to be uh, John McDonnell, but he is um, unfortunately been held up at speaking at another um, very important event. But we obviously want to thank him for his continued uh, solidarity and support for Palestine Solidarity Campaign uh, and for Labour in Palestine. Um, I know that John was speaking at a number of events and one is, was one of the first uh, Labour MPs to uh, address the... Oh, sorry, I've just been informed that he has actually made it onto the call in time, um, but was one of the first uh, Labour MPs to address the marches um, in London a few weeks ago. So I believe that John is now on the call. Thank you so much for joining us, John. I'm really pleased you could make it. Sorry, Jess, there's been a, there's a number of meetings tonight, so we're... 
hopping from one to an, another. I'm sure people have updated you on what's been happening in Parliament today, but um, it's pretty clear <clears throat> that the government is refusing to move on the issue of ceasefire, and so is the Labour Party. So we have to maximise now the pressure in the build-up over the next few days. I'm not sure if people have mentioned the um, the report, the testimony that we got from um, Dr. Hassan Teza Hassan from the Indonesia hospital. Um, stop me if if people have, but the, the the report we received this morning was basically he's in the Indonesian hospital in in Gaza. Him and his colleagues. The the scenes he's describing are absolutely graphic. They're appalling, really. He's working on the basis of no water, no no fuel left, and no medical supplies. Um, they're dealing with people coming in as a result of the bombing that's been taking place. The worst scenes are the ones, and I'm not sure how he's coping with this, but clearly in his message to us, it was one in state of distress. He's coping particularly with children that are coming in with limbs missing. And he's reporting stage four burns, so all body burns, basically. He's, he's also reporting that as they're treating people, literally there are flies everywhere. Um, they've even got worms coming out of wounds. Um, as they treat people, there's no capacity for them in the wards. So as they come off the operating table, they're then being placed on the floor. That's what's happening in one hospital, as the other hospitals now are almost overwhelmed and some have run out of supplies itself. And it paints in graphic detail what the suffering that people are going through. And there's there's no other solution but a ceasefire. The argument around a pause, we've made it clear time and time again, is that what does a pause mean? A few hours or a day in which people get supplies or some food or some water and then it all starts all over again it's just tragically it's just the delay in the suffering that they'll endure and the killings that will, will take place i've made it absolutely clear and i've raised it in past debates in the house and on and elsewhere um article 8 of the rome statute on war crimes this is the statute that discovered that determines the remit and the processes of the International Criminal Court. Article 8 is very clear on war crimes. One of them is that in use of weapons that are indiscriminate, and that's what this bombing has taken place. But in addition to that, it very specifically refers to starvation and the denial of the basic resources to sustain life, and that's what's happening here. So we are witnessing war crimes. And I'm sure, as others have said, if you stand back and don't condemn this or do everything you can to prevent it, you are complicit in war crimes. And that's what we're saying to this government and also to the Labour Front, but you need now to stand up and demand immediate ceasefire. I tried to test the water today with regard to what the government's thinking is, because there are reports that came out of Qatar 
that actually said that Hamas might be willing to um, agree to some form of ceasefire. They were talking about five days or something. I, the reality, but that, and that was in in exchange for hostages. And I was trying to test the government attitude. Had they even considered that? I don't think it's a five-day ceasefire is, is what's needed. We want an immediate total ceasefire, permanent. But I just want to test the government's attitude on that, whether they'd even consider it, whether they'd even liaise with Qatar to vouchsafe its, uh, its potential. And there was no response. It was the standard response. We don't talk, we don't, talk, we don't engage in discussions about hostages in this way. But it's interesting, the families of the, the Israeli hostages, along with a, a number of Israeli organizations, have put forward the proposal of an all-for-all all, all for all exchange of hostages for all, all the hostages, for all the prisoners that Israel are holding. So you can see there's a build-up, even in Israel now, of, of quite a sizable campaign about how we can save human life and stop the suffering. And so our focus has got to be on mobilizing to try and get some almost rationality into this process now, because it, I believe it's totally irrational to be allowing this to take place, arguing for um, pauses which will just maintain the conflict after a slight pause and which will main, uh, increase the amount of people that are being killed. And that includes... That includes Palestinian civilians, the children, it includes the hostages, and it includes Israeli troops as well. Somehow we've got to force our government and the opposition leadership as well into recognizing their responsibilities. All ceasefire processes, this why I can't, <clears throat> it really frustrates me when people reject the concept of an immediate ceasefire and this argument that somehow it freezes. The situation it never does you know every i've been in parliament 26 years i've been there when war has been declared and i've been there when wars have taken place and i've opposed them but i've been there also when ceasefires have been agreed and peace has been established what normally happens in this standard practice is you start with the mediators the influencers coming together and discussing how a ceasefire can be brought about and the raw material for the mediators are there already, Qatar, Turkey, Egypt, others. Alongside, it has to be the US, European countries and ourselves. The mediators are potentially there. The mediators then discuss the, how, you, how to bring the belligerents together. There's usually then some form of um, gesture of goodwill on the stage towards the ceasefire, and that's often the release of hostages or prisoners or decommissioning of some sort, and then eventually the belligerents in alongside others come together to negotiate the, the final permanent ceasefire and the, and the peace process after that. That's where we need to get to. This is not rocket science. This has been done time and time again. And you know our own experience of it in terms of the ceasefire and the peace settlement in Ireland. Mo Molan called for a ceasefire from the beginning. And when ceasefire broke down, she came back again and called the ceasefire. And that's exactly what we need the process to be recognised now and be going on with. Um, the balance of forces now, I think, in this country are overwhelmingly in favour of a ceasefire. 
We've seen it in the opinion polls. We've seen it in the mass mobilizations that have taken place, not just the national demonstrations, but the local meetings, the local community demonstrations as well. So I think the overwhelming, overwhelming view of our, com our country is to aim for a ceasefire as rapidly as possible. In terms of the Labour Party, because I'm a Labour MP, I believe actually the, the majority in our party, the vast majority in our party support immediate ceasefire. You've seen the reaction amongst our, our councillors demanding it, some of them resigning. You've seen it amongst a large number of our MPs as well, who are now calling for a ceasefire. And we've, the early day motion that Richard Bergen brilliantly brought about showed you the numbers within Parliament itself is building all the time. Um, Zara Sultana and a number of us supporters have put down an amendment um, to the King's speech. It's a way of securing a vote going for a ceasefire, as well as all the other aspects of it in terms of humanitarian aid and the release of the hostages, etc. We may not be able to secure a vote on that, although the SNP may be tabling something similar to that, which we'll vote for, I hope. And again, it will demonstrate the build-up, the momentum that there's, there is growing for, for a ceasefire, because none of us anymore can sit back and just watch that level of human suffering taking place in Gaza without acting in some form. So that's why this weekend's demonstration is absolutely key. We've got to get huge numbers of people out on the streets in a peaceful demonstration, which demonstrates the desire for the, the immediate ceasefire and the desire for peace. That peace, though, has to be with justice, and it does have to be a, the argument that the Palestinians have deserved self-determination like any other group of, group of people. And I fear now that Netanyahu is seeing the opportunity of the war in Gaza as another Nakba to clear out the Palestinians from Gaza, force them into the Sinai. And in that way, as he's already expressed, having a permanent presence of the Israeli Defence Force in Gaza, I think we need to expose that because I think once that's more, more that's exposed, the more people recoil from his attitude and the, the role that he's playing as the leader of Israel at the moment, and the more opportunity there'll be to mobilise for a wiser heads to prevail in Israel and also for that ceasefire to, to be negotiated. So uh, that's that's where I'm at at the moment. And as I say, I, I'm the eternal optimist, and at times you can get really down because of the suffering that's going on. But what inspires me at the moment is the huge amount of support that there is, uh, the huge amount of support there is for a ceasefire. And I just conclude on this, just a few examples, really. People, MPs are getting hundreds, literally hundreds of emails calling for a ceasefire. And it isn't just the Muslim community that people see. To, it isn't. It's right the way across the community, literally right the way. Every aspect of my community is represented in the emails that I'm getting calling for a ceasefire. The second thing as well amongst, there's some heroes in this campaign. Um, the the young Jewish group of young Jewish people called Namadai, they demonstrated in Parliament Square and then they asked me along and I sat with them singing outside the Foreign Office for peace, 100 young Jewish campaigners, again, just heroically standing up for peace itself. And then I've been meeting with, over quite a period of time, with a number of um, retired Israeli and UK diplomats. And in Israel itself, there are a large number of people now courageously standing up for peace and standing up for the Palestinian people and their rights as well. So I'm, 
I'm confident we'll get there. It's a matter of time, but there's a sense of urgency that we all have to have in whatever we're doing. So solidarity to all those who are campaigning on this. And let's keep going now until we secure the peace and a just peace for the Palestinian people. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you so much, John. Thank you for joining us. Um, and a big thank you to everyone who's who's joined the call today and to our trade union leaders, our politicians, our MPs, all speaking up, standing up against war crimes and calling for a lasting peace. But as we all know, change doesn't just come from, from Westminster and often doesn't come without the determination of, of us, the general public. And so when we demonstrate next Saturday, let's make sure we bring everyone we can with us and make sure that when Palestinians in Gaza have internet and electricity again, and they're once again reconnected to the world, we want them to see the millions of people around the world who have not turned their backs on them and that we are and will continue to hold our governments to account for their support for war crimes. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight, to all of our speakers. Thank you to Labour and Palestine volunteers for organising. Thank you to the Arise Festival volunteers for helping with the tech and hosting tonight. As Labour movement activists who stand with the Palestinian people internationally, our job here is to raise awareness and right now to put the maximum pressure on the Labour leadership to join the calls for a ceasefire now and this Saturday we'll be marching again in London calling for a ceasefire and an end to the bombardment of Palestinians. It is more important than ever that we stand together, we stand united and unwavering in our solidarity. So we will be meeting at Hyde Park at midday and please, please do everything you can to be there and let's make sure that this time over a million people fill the streets of London calling for a ceasefire now. Thank you and solidarity.